I'm Shachar Azani, and in the news, Israel's upcoming elections. As Israel is headed to yet another round of elections this coming March, all new players appear on the political battlefield. One of those players is the New Hope Party, headed by formerly longtime Likud member Gidon Saar, who now challenges Prime Minister Netanyahu for the highest office in the land. Saar has been able to gather considerable support in the short time since the party came to be in December 2020, and current polls predict the party will win 13 seats in the upcoming elections. To share with us her view of Israel's current status and her party's vision for Israel, I'm happy to have with us former member of Knesset, Sharon Haskell, who left the Likud party and joined Saar on this journey. A few words about Sharon before we begin. Sharon was born in Toronto, Canada. She made Aliyah to Israel with her family in 1985. She joined the Israel Defense Forces and served in Jerusalem in a combat unit during the Second Intifada. Haskell completed her studies and was trained as a veterinarian nurse in Australia, where she worked in an animal hospital and volunteered with organizations to save wild animals. She holds a BA in political science and international relations from the Open University. Her term in the 20th Knesset began in 2015, replacing former member of Knesset Danny Danone, following his appointment then as Israel's ambassador to the United Nations. She was member of the Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee, the Internal Affairs and Environment Committee, and the Special Committee on Drug and Alcohol Abuse. She also chairs the Lobby for Medical Cannabis. Sharon, welcome so much to JBS. Thank you very much, Shahar. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, first, I have to ask you this. I'm sure many of our viewers wonder. Let's talk about you, the first ever combat soldier to become a Knesset member. So which was tougher, the army service or walking through the political corridors? <laughs> um, well, as an 18-year-old during the time of the Second Intifada, I can say it was pretty tough. Um, there, was, there weren't many uh, women uh, enlisted in combat position uh, in 2002. So uh, you really had to push through uh, your elbows in and, and work extremely hard in order to, uh, to, to, to reach high. Uh, but I'm really proud of it. And I do think that that's what helped me uh, during my entire career that almost everything I, I see as something that is possible that I can reach, you know, um, I've been trained well in the army. So anything else is, is, is easy, <laughs> easier. I want to dive into the uh, issues of the day with you now. Many people perceive the upcoming elections as yes, Netanyahu, no Netanyahu. So as far as you're concerned, what do you think are going to be the priorities for Israelis as they head to the polls in March? What are these elections really about? So the first priority is definitely stability. Um, we've, we've had two years of, uh, uh, of turmoils. Um, we had four, this is the fourth election that we're heading within two years. It has never been in the history of Israel. Uh, government come and go and people go and there is so much distrust that is um, being created and is being built among uh, the people in Israel. Um, this instability is a major challenge, not just because uh, Israeli civilians are uncertain in the future and what's going to happen, but you have to understand that long-term reforms are completely out the window. 
um, investors that wants to come and invest in Israel don't know what's going to be the long-term policies. Uh, I'm not even speaking about internal policies, about law enforcement, uh, about security here, uh, which just changes like the wind. Uh, and I think that especially during uh, times of epidemic, um, the people needs, need to know there's stability. Um, and so uh, uh, this is, I think, going to be the, one of the major challenges. Um, we don't have a solution to the economic crisis. Uh, the government uh, has put a lot of its um, uh, personal and political uh, uh, choices and, and, and decisions uh, ahead of uh, uh, ahead of the decision that needs to be made for the people and for the country. So uh, definitely the first one, uh, the major one is stability and Gidon Saar is the only one that can actually build a stable coalition. Um, all the other parties were already, uh, you know, in the game of elections for the for three terms now, this is the fourth time, and were not successful in creating a, a stable future uh, and a stable government. And so Gidon Saar is the only one that is capable of doing that. Um, the second thing, uh, and it is related, uh, is unity. Um, today, the debate between the different communities in Israel is very toxic. Uh, uh, government, the, the representatives that are now uh, leading Israel uh, are not giving the right example for the people. Uh, we have forgotten how to hold discussions uh, where we may not agree, obviously, on everything, uh, but there, uh, you know, it, it, we have to respect each other uh, and we need the government to restore uh, um, you know, uh, it's the unity. Yeah, the, the unity between the people. I mean, Israel is, has such a diverse community, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different religion. It's so fragile. And so uh, unity is a, is a major issue and, 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 and knowing how to have an open discussion even when we don't agree with each other. And the third one, which is a major one, is the economy, obviously. Um, and um, the major focus on economy when you see, uh, you know, we, uh, we were at a point at almost 20% of unemployment. We have 100,000, uh, it's like 800,000 unemployed. Uh, I know maybe in America, it doesn't sound like a, a huge number, uh, but here in Israel, when you have almost 9 million people, uh, this is a, a, a huge number. Uh, and so uh, our major challenge would be, and, and I think it is also a major issue in these elections, is how we are going to restore a stable economy, a one that's going to continue to grow uh, here in Israel, that will bring back hundreds of thousands of unemployed people back into business, uh, people who were bankrupting, uh, you know, their business was bankrupt, uh, you know, how to assist them to stand back on their two feet. Um, and uh, yeah, this is uh, one of the major challenges. Sharon, I want to, you touched upon the economic situation and COVID. So it seems that the vaccination uh, of Israel, or as it's called vaccination, 
has been a great success, that the country, according to the Bloomberg Index and other estimates, is going to be the first to recover from COVID. Isn't that a tremendous success of the Netanyahu-Gantz government? We've seen the prime minister taking a lot of credit uh, for it. So is, Israel, is, is COVID in Israel going to be an issue of the past soon? Well, obviously, the vaccine project has been great, and the health funds have done such a good job at getting as many people vaccinated, and for sure, it's uh, it's the best long-term solution. Um, but sadly, Israelis have spent more days in lockdown than any other country in the OECD. Um, our children had the uh, least amount of school days um, it pushed us back so far in the education system uh, here in Israel that we had to bring, and that's what we're also uh, are running on, uh, a major plan on restoring the education system and narrowing a gap of almost, of, of more than a year now uh, for school children. Uh, and uh, it took a, a serious toll. Uh, sadly, a lot of this is because the government placed their personal interests above the people. Uh, and I hope that we will replace the government and show that the country comes first. The um, Israel-US situation at the moment, we've seen a lot of discussion about President Biden calling or not calling the prime minister. I'm sure many of us have seen uh, former Ambassador Danone's tweet please call me and here is the number. I want to ask you, what do you read into this phone call or Israel-US relations in, uh, in uh, the time of uh, Joe Biden as president? Well, it's very serious. Um, it really shows the damage Netanyahu has done uh, when it comes to Israel's relationship with our most important ally. Um, Gidon Saad does not have these bad relationships uh, uh, with the Biden administrations, and he has pledged to rebuild the bipartisan uh, uh, relationship. You, um, to, to your credit, I'll mention, and also for our viewers, you, Sharon, have a lot of experience in interacting with the U.S. You've been around the United States speaking with different communities. You've been part of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the Knesset, so you know what you're talking about. And I'm wondering if this issue between the American administration and the prime minister, is it a personal issue or is it an issue of political positions? Because we know that Gidon Saar is unabashedly right. You know, some would say even to the right of Netanyahu. So in that case, even if Mr. Saar becomes the prime minister, he might face the same issues with the Biden administration, don't you think? Um, well, I would say that some uh, personal steps that were done have created a certain tear. Uh, and I'm not trying to put any kind of blame on uh, either uh, uh, Bibi or uh, uh, American presidents, um, but fact is that there is a history there. And uh, that history is not, uh, it's not a good one. And so when Gidon Sal comes clean into uh, in, to his term as Prime Minister of Israel and start to build a fresh relationship with the new administration. Um, obviously, there won't be any uh, bad blood uh, and we'll be able to restore that bipartisan relationship and friendship. 
I think clean is a, is a key word here because I believe that looking at the uh, New Hope list, it actually includes yourself and other leaders from the right, including former Consul General in New York, Danny Dayan, um, yeah. Benny Begin and others who are, you know, from the orthodox uh, right wing of Israel as it used to be. And some of the criticism heard from New Hope towards Likud was that Likud uh, is, is a party of cronies who just follow the prime minister. So I'm just wondering, a few words about politics and coalition building. How do you see New Hope forming a government? And what would you do if uh, Gidon Saar indeed becomes prime minister? What would be the first policies you would enact in office? How do you see that rolling out? So um, we can form a government with any party that is committed to, Israel's, uh, to Israel as a Jewish and democratic state. Um, Netanyahu's only option to form a government is to include extreme voices from the far right, uh, not just extreme, but racist uh, uh, voices who had called for uh, extreme reforms uh, in Israel. Uh, and you know what, if, if it's not them, then it's the other side and even representative of the Islamic movement. I mean, the Islamic movement is a sister movement of uh, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas in Gaza to understand the extent of uh, how Bibi is sort of pointed with his back to the wall um, that he actually need to create a cooperation with those extreme uh, parties. Um, so uh, I have no doubt that Gidon Saar will have the best chances to form a government and to stable the government. Uh, as of for initial policies, the first thing we will do is limit the prime minister uh, to an eight years term. Uh, it is extremely important today in the Israeli law. Uh, there is no limit. It can be two years, it can be 40 years. Um, and so from understanding that the longer you are in power, you feel more comfortable with it and you might do things that you won't do if you are sort of have a, a limit on your on your term uh, and so and, and we want to introduce a range of reforms to help rehabilitate Israel's education system uh, we have an emergency plan uh, uh, to balance our healthcare system uh, that has not been managed properly it does have uh, uh, a lot of budgets uh, but it needs to be managed properly uh, um, and obviously our economy in general, um, which has suffered so badly from neglect uh, under this current government. Uh, so passing finally uh, a budget, <laughs> which is a basic thing, Israel didn't have a budget for the past two years. Uh, and during a pandemic, this is the first long-term uh, economic plan uh, that you just, just for the sake of our viewers um, who are not as familiar with the intricacies of Israeli politics, when you're saying Israel had no budget approved in the Knesset for the past couple of years, what does that mean? Because people look around and say, hey, Israel was, you know, is a functioning country. It's paying its, its debts. What does it mean that Israel doesn't have a budget? How does it impact your work and especially yours as a leading member of Knesset who's very active on various realms? So that, that's the issue. Um, uh, Netanyahu had to pass a budget in the last few months and he chose 
not to pass it during a pandemic, which is serious, a serious matter, uh, especially when we are facing an economic crisis. It means that uh, um, the budget is divided by a certain uh, um, scam, like uh, a certain uh, uh, way of uh, uh, calculating it and it's being directed to the offices only on a, a, a minimal kind of budget. And then you can sort of go and play when you pass a legislation and when the Knesset approves it. But what it really means, it means that the education system, for example, is not giving the, uh, the, the funds that it needs in order to function correctly. No new money uh, is coming in. No new money. And basically it's just salaries for schools, but no new, uh, uh, special education uh, plans or things like that. Uh, municipalities uh, that needs to have a specific uh, uh, fixing of sewage, of roads, of intersections, things like that. The budget doesn't uh, come to them. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's, there's major, major uh, problems uh, that are being created in almost every sector uh, and every aspect of it. Uh, which is severe. Severe. You mentioned the uh, outreach by Netanyahu and Likud and this relationship with the United Arab List, Mansour Abbas, the Islamic movement. Um, there is an issue in Israel currently that relates to a certain status of crime, not only within you know Israel in general, but also within the Arab sector in Israel, violence against women. We've all heard about the terrible rape of the 10-year-old in the south of Israel. Um, is it on the agenda of Gidon Saar, yourself, and New Hope to deal with those issues, with issues of crime in general and within Arab society? Has there been any outreach to the Arab sector by Saar's party, by you? So one of our major reforms, obviously, uh, we've got quite, we've got, uh, I, I would probably say, five most important ones. One of them is to completely eradicate the violence and the crime within the Arab communities. Um, some communities, it's just been like the Wild West. There's no law, no order, no enforcement, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's been like that for years. Unfortunately, uh, Netanyahu neglected uh, these parts of our country. Uh, and what we see today is, uh, you know, uh, crime organizations that are being subsidized uh, by, uh, that are dealing with illegal weapons, with drugs that are uh, 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 committing uh, uh, crimes of, uh, um, how do you call it, uh, dis distort uh, extortion. Yep. Yeah, from, starting from farmers up to uh, uh, construction sites and small businesses all around the country. Uh, you see violence inside their community, uh, a lot of murders, a lot of violence against women. Uh, women are the ones who are paying the biggest price, uh, uh, many of them in their lives uh, because of that. Uh, we see illegal uh, taking over of land uh, and all of that has happened under Netanyahu. And so our plan is a, a spe specific plan, very, uh, um, very aligned and uh, detailed about how to restore the law and order in the Arab society. It includes uh, enforcement, real enforcement in those communities. It includes uh, um, um, collecting all the illegal weapon uh, it includes to drawing up uh, those crime organizations from their business as well. 
um, yeah, I mean, it, it's very detailed and it's one of our major issues that we'll deal with once you themselves will form the government. Um, I, I understand from you that New Hope is, a, is a, basically a clean slate for Israel uh, when you come into, into these elections offering something to the public. And I want to remind to our audience that if I'm not mistaken, it was Netanyahu himself who a few years back supported limiting the prime ministerial uh, term to, to a two-term um, prime minister similar to what's happening in the U.S. That's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually advocated for that. Uh, but unfortunately, um, with uh, Netanyahu, he promises a lot of promises before the elections. But unfortunately, and this is one of the biggest disappointments that we had from him, is that he never promises to fulfill his promises. <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, people think about politics being only part of the big things. So just quickly enough, one of the one of the things you enacted in the Knesset or brought forth was actually using emails with local municipalities, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there we as startup nation, there is so much uh, uh, things within the government that are backwards. Uh, I, I think it's ridiculous that we had to have a legislation uh, that will force government offices to use emails instead of faxes. But this is the kind of issues that we have to deal with. So we have also a, a very detailed plan on how to uh, digitalize uh, uh, Israel and Israel's government and Israel's authorities. Uh, so that it will be easier and accessible uh, to the Israeli public. Uh, the bureaucracy in Israel is crazy. Any uh, ole or tourist who had arrived to Israel or visited Israel, live in Israel, understand how much crazy regulation bureaucracy we have here. Uh, and this is one of our major reforms as well, is to completely cut down. Uh, we have put an, uh, a digit to it as well, so we want to cut it down in 40%, all the bureaucracy and the regulations. I had to say so that people understand it's really a great perk to have somebody as young as, as yourself as part of Israel's legislature and a personal thank you because I still remember when I'm calling the local uh, municipality and I'm asking if it's possible to email them a form and I get a stern answer saying we don't do that we only use facts so just by the law to actually yeah. do <laughs> thank you and um, before we conclude, we only have a couple of minutes left. I have to ask you, you grew up in Canada. You were in Australia for, a few, for many years. You understand that Israel is somewhat of an issue when it comes to interaction with Jewish communities in the diaspora. So what would you do to bridge the gap between Israel and Jewish communities around the world? And from your vast experience, speaking all across the United States and meeting with Jewish communities. So there's no doubt that we need to build some new bridges. Uh, we have not invested enough in the shared understanding uh, between the Jewish communities uh, in Israel and diaspora. Gidon um, Saar has said very clearly um, that the unity of a Jewish people is not just a value, it's a strategic asset. And so uh, we must face, and as uh, a, a community, uh, all of us around the world, we must face together the threat of anti-Semitism. Um, we, we also want to make sure that any Jew who wants to come here to Israel and make Aliyah will have a home here. Uh, we'll be working on a number of ways uh, to assist Olim. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that we have to find some uh, new bridges 
uh, that we need uh, to build between the communities. Um, as the former chairman of the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, the subcommittee of the uh, Foreign Affairs and Security Committee here in Israel, um, and as someone who had been representing the Knesset in so many universities and communities, Jewish communities all around the world, I really understand the challenges. And a lot of the times also they're paying the prices uh, when Israel's getting you know, into a uh, sort of a, a, um, a high level uh, situation, uh, war, a conflict, anything like that. Immediately, uh, the people who would feel it the most are our Jewish communities around the world. People will point the finger towards them. And so uh, unity between us has to be uh, uh, strengthened. Uh, and yeah, there's there's many plans that uh, that we want to aspire to, uh, and I hope that we will be the one that will form the next government in order to bring them. Well, uh, I I want to say a big thank you to you, Sharon. You're definitely a fresh voice in Israeli politics, and you give us all hope that things will be done more, not only internally but also focusing on this important connection between Israel and Jewish communities around the world. It's very suitable. I can see um, the picture now behind you of the destruction of our temple, the holiest site uh, for the Jewish tradition, the Jewish religion. And that firstly happened because of, uh, of hatred and because there wasn't any unity. There was a, a, a poisoned uh, discourse uh, between the communities. Um, and we have to learn from that. We have to learn and, and remember that we can't let it happen again. That is a very perceptive and poignant from you, Sharon. That's exactly the reason why it's there. Thank you for your observation. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed uh, and I send my love to all the Jewish community around the world. Well, it was fascinating to hear of your public work and hopes for change in Israel. And I look forward to having you again and again soon with us on JBS and beyond. And to our viewers, I want to say thank you all for watching. And to all, we say stay safe and stay healthy in these times. I'd like to thank our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS's managing director, Dara Golub, our technical manager, Michael Paley, transmission manager, John McDevitt, and to our wonderful producer of In the News, Carol Lilienthal. For JBS, I'm Shachar Azani. Until next time, shalom and lehitraot. We would be pleased to send a complimentary DVD of this program to anyone who wishes to support JBS with a tax-deductible gift of $36, double chai or more. And we're especially pleased to remind you that thanks to a generous matching gift from the Cayley family, every new or increased dollar you donate to JBS will be worth double to JBS. Simply visit the JBS website at jbstv.org and click on the Donate button to make a donation by PayPal or your credit card. And please, indicate the program for which you would like a DVD. Or you can send your tax-deductible check to JBS, P.O. Box 180, Riverdale Station, Bronx, New York, 10471. And again, please remember to indicate which program you would like to receive with our compliments. And we thank you for your kind support.